Hi, Robert. This is Alana Hi. from the Valley Money Star newspaper. Hi, Alana. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Um, so I, I want to see if we could start from the beginning. Um, how did you two decide to go ahead and uh, make this documentary? Robert, go ahead, Josh. Well, uh, yeah, I can. Um, um, well, Josh came to my place of business and saw the recognitions and the awards that I had received 20 years ago when the bridge collapsed for acts of heroism. And we got those from everybody, from the governor, Rick Perry, to the county of Cameron, Cameron County and uh, several different officials. So in seeing these, and I got the actual key to the city, and I have them framed on my wall, and Josh saw those, and we started talking about them, and that was pretty much it. Um, Josh and I rubbed elbows on a couple of other events, and during the pandemic, we kind of uh, reconvened, and Josh said, look, man, we I'd, I'd love to do a podcast about the story, and so we did, um, and the reception of the podcast and the views and the shares and the comments are really what fueled Josh and, and, and my motivation to turn this into a documentary because just literally hundreds of people were saying this needs to be a movie. This needs to be a documentary. What is next? And, and although we tried and Josh, I think you did like a nine episodic, uh, uh, a podcast. Yeah, it's nine episodes. Nine episodes. And after Josh was done conducting all of those, when we went back and watched them, they basically made a storyboard and an outline of what the documentary would be. We got to we got to visit several interesting people and get everybody's perspectives and get our facts straight. And then after after, you know, a couple of big wigs like uh, Carla Winfrey, and who is Oprah Winfrey's cousin and her production company, approached us about doing, about us hiring them to do, to make a, a documentary, a seven-minute documentary for $50,000. And another gentleman by the name of Javier Chapa from Netflix who produced, uh, he's from the Valley, and, and he's a director and a producer for a movie called Blue Miracle with Dennis Quaid, and it, it, it was a number one hit on uh, Netflix. He heard the podcast through some local people who sent it to him, and then he approached me and Josh for the life rides and wanted to make the movie, but then he really gave us a very small and shady, sad deal, so we we didn't want to do that, and then before long, Josh said, Robert, I can do this, we can do this, let's just see what we come up with, and let's shoot it, and we'll see. And here we are today um, with 11, 10 or 11 best featured documentaries and, and several, several uh, honorable mentions and, and first, I'm sorry, and second and third places and things of that nature. And it's just yeah, it's the, baffling us. The, the way Robert so described bad. it sounded a lot easier. <laughs> huh? The way you described it sounded a lot easier than... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, no, by no, <laughs> I say it now like that because I think we've said it so many times in different in different uh, interviews, but oh, no, it was a struggle, like uh, uh, demoralizing, no funding, 
Josh and I learning things, you know, on the cusp, on the road, traveling to get shots and trying to find actors. No, it was, it was something I'd never done, so I, I, and, and neither had Josh, so we really didn't know what to expect, but we're not quitters. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we started seeing these obstacles, I think instead of uh, discouraging us, they almost challenged us and motivated us to, to figure out a way to get it done. And Josh, that's what he's an expert at figuring out how to get the shots and how to get it done and how to sew them all together so that they flow seamlessly. And, and, and lo and behold, we, we now have an award winning documentary. And uh, what was that process like for you and Josh to put this uh, documentary together? Um, what, what do you think were some of like the challenges or like the most rewarding things? Go ahead, Josh. Cause, uh, know I, think, better than I, I think the most uh, rewarding thing was was meeting the people that were attached to the story. Um, we went to the 20 year anniversary and it was a very somber experience. But all those people that showed up there were people that I heard about, that I listened to from Robert's story, that I did research on, that I got to learn a little bit more about them, that I had phone conversations with them leading up to the events uh, that I met very few times and, you know, they became good friends of mine through the process, even the process of, of going to Corpus or going to Washington, D.C. to meet up with the Coast Guard. Uh, those are all memorable experiences because we've never done that before. We just assume that that's what you're supposed to do as a filmmaker to go mm-hmm. get the truest form of the story. So we wanted to com- tell a complete version of the story, the truest version of the story. And uh, we did whatever we had to do to get it done. I think uh, at Robert and I are at a certain place in our lives where we can afford to be able to go and, and venture in those those things and to be able to keep this piece of history alive. Yep. And, uh, could you go through like a timeline of this project? Um, do you remember when you started uh, filming and then when filming ended? Sure. Uh, we started prod- podcasting about this in February. Uh, I believe it was right before summer. We were thinking about doing the documentary, and then we saw that uh, a local film festival. I forget. Was it August fifteenth, Robert? It was August fifteenth. We had to submit by August fifteenth. And at that point, we had forty-five days from the time that we decided that we were going to do this, and, and those forty-five days were our time limit. So it, it mm-hmm. kind of pushed us August 15th. We had to submit something. So we were, we shot everything in 45 days. Uh, we put everything together, edited it. We got um, local artist uh, Gregorio Garza Jr. Uh, to do the whole music score. He did it in three days. And I told him that I need wow. this like now. Like, and he jumped on it. So um, 45 days is the production, editing, music, music. Uh, graphics uh everything we don't recommend people trying in, in that time frame though not everybody's like josh josh is not a procrastinator he just knows exactly how long it's going to take him to do everything so he pushes the limit yeah <laughs> but yeah we we we, we didn't uh, he, he by no means is a procrastinator like if we need to get something done today we need to get it done today but mm-hmm. I literally finished did. submitting at the last day like the last hour mm-hmm. so <laughs> So he manages his time well, and at first I was nervous because it seems like procrastination, but 
I don't see everything that Josh does behind the curtain. You know, he's kind of like the Wizard of Oz and he makes everything happen when it comes to editing and, and, you know, color softening or brightening and sound and just merging all of these bits and pieces that we collect from Mm -hmm. everybody, from Gregorio, from what he compiles, uh, the storytelling that I'm doing, the PSGA students and what they submitted for us. So he has to knit and sew all of this thing together to make it seem like it was just birthed that way and and it grew into this. And and some some of the stuff we shot in completely different times, you know, some of the endings were shot, you know, first, some of the middle stuff was shot, you know, last. And so he has to go back and siphon and siphon through all of these things and then arrange them to where it's a puzzle that, that in pieces you can't tell what it is. But once he puts it together, you can mm-hmm. really see the picture. And so <clears throat> I don't know what that kind of stuff entails and how long it takes for him to do that, but but he does it, and he does it well to the point to where this uh, this project is uh, 15 or 16 words in already as far as what we want. And to add to that, um, we also shot the documentary a completely different way when we started. And, <laughs> yeah. and we got on a board with a PSJ Southwest Theater Club, and they wanted to participate in a part uh doing their own documentary so we went along with them and i told robert's like dude this is how you're supposed to shoot a documentary so we scrapped everything and then we shot everything and then the final version uh it went through like seven or eight different versions before we were happy with uh what came out of it at least seven or eight yeah Mm -hmm. and um this documentary uh, was created by the both of you, um, and I understand you're both from the Valley. Uh, which area of the Valley are you both from? Well, I was born and raised in La Jolla, Texas, and I reside in McAllen now. Mm-hmm. Uh, McAllen resident here. Mm-hmm. McAllen, okay. And also, the, the person that you mentioned that wrote the music, are they also from the Valley as well? Yeah, he's actually from McAllen as well. McAllen as well, okay. And so, your documentary has been receiving so much success. Um, looking back at it now, did you expect it to get reached this point? I knew that this story was going to reach uh, a lot of people. Well, the podcast alone reached over a million people. So I knew that we had something here. And if we did it right, it would reach a lot more people. So uh, uh, luckily, we did it right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, for 20 years, um, couldn't, I couldn't speak about what happened. I couldn't talk, legally talk about, um, the court proceedings and that evening because of the settlement. So mm-hmm. I was literally gagged and, and bound by a, by a non-disclosure. So <clears throat> I didn't get to tell the story a lot, but when I would tell the story to individual family members and close friends, and I would see their astonishment, and I'd see how baffled they were by some of the facts. Um, I knew that the story had to be told, and I knew that the, and I knew that it would be interesting. Never in a million years did I think that Josh and I would be flying to Los Angeles or to New York, some of the places that we've gone to receive awards and recognitions, um, all the way up in Rome. We won a, a film festival in Rome, Italy. You know, never. 
in our wildest dreams do I think Josh and I imagined that we would have this kind of uh, success and uh, and that uh, that our our efforts would render such a such a well received product. I, I don't think I ever imagined that to be honest with you. I always knew the story was good and mm-hmm. true, but I didn't. Uh, I never thought that we would be able to get it this far. And uh, could you talk to me about the the documentary uh, about what it's about? Um, so I am from Puerto Rico, and that happened. The bridge collapse happened when I was in kindergarten, and um, I was looking through archives, and I feel like pretty much around that time every story was the same. It just explained um, the barge was hit, the bridge was hit, and then it collapsed, and that's about it. It didn't really get too much into detail, and I understand from your documentary it goes into tons of detail. But yeah. what happened now? this this story is a story that nobody has and it's it's because robert lived it so robert go ahead man. well i mean i i agree with you in the sense that every every story cut that up yeah i'm fine with it um every every story um out there that exists is uh is wrong and it's lacking detail and it's lacking empathy and it's just facts that they pull out of what happened based off of what they saw, um, mm-hmm. which is how facts are derived. You know, and people see it and they talk about it. Well, nobody saw what we saw that night. Nobody was on the water beneath the bridge when it collapsed. Nobody, um, nobody had the story. Everybody who was there got there an hour and a half after the fact, after I, Myself and, and the gentleman with me rendered whatever aid we could and, and helped in any way that we were able to. So I think um, <clears throat> the story basically is um, talks about how we managed to get there and, and the things that we witnessed from the tragic to the supernatural. And, and, and I think that's where people uh, resonate towards the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, which, what kind of, um, what kind of commentary can people expect in your film, in your documentary film? You get perspective from you and the three others that were on the boat, and uh, what other people? Um, the perspective is mostly from me um, on the boat. The other, the other gentlemen on the boat uh, either opt out to participate due to. You know, personal things, or or just didn't have the time to contribute. So it's mostly me, um, a reporter by the name of Denise Davila uh, from Port Isabel, and um, Gustavo Morales, one of the survivors. And I think that's it in the documentary. No, no uh, we also have JP Montoya, which was an EMS worker oh, yeah. at the time <laughs> that helped save uh, Gustavo um, uh, Gaspar Hinojosa. And also, we have Jeff Lester, which was the Coast Guard that was Coast present Guard. that day. And he goes into vivid details about that night as well. I'm sorry, it's because we have two different versions, but the version yeah, that we're I was pushing... Yeah, about the other one. Yeah, the version that we're pushing now has an extra 15 minutes of mature content, and that's the one that's been winning uh, all the awards lately. Okay, and uh, how long is that uh, documentary? 75 that minutes. Version. And I understand there's going to be an opportunity coming up on January 20th for people to watch in Edinburgh. 
Um, is there anything you want to say about that upcoming opportunity? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Robert, you want to take this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Josh and I um, went into this uh, production blindly, not knowing the sequences or, or how to capitalize or how to get it out there. We've come to learn that any film, in any film, whether it's a short, uh, long, or documentary, has to run its course through the film festival circuit before um, it gets to where it's in a position to begin negotiating with uh, with streaming networks or production companies. So nobody's going to really get a chance to watch our documentary. Um, unless it's through and via some of these screenings that are taking place uh, in film festivals. Um, so I would urge anybody and everybody who has any kind of interest or curiosity to make their way to the Bistro Cinemark on Trenton on the 20th of January because it is a free event seats are limited and this is a part of their South Texas history. So most definitely, yes, I would, I would definitely invite anybody who, who would love to find out more and kind of see what it is that a group of untrained and unsuspecting Latinos can put together when they come together. Um, you know, everybody offered a untapped talent that they did not know they had, with the exception of Gregorio. Gregorio is a musician in every sense of the word, from composing to creating to playing and singing. He's diverse in instruments and sound and then how to manipulate them. So Gregorio knew what he was doing, but Josh, myself, and even some of the students from the PSJA uh, school were novices, you know, had some some familiarity in the field, but, but hadn't really broken out, so to speak. So if people are interested in the story or people are interested in what a group of strangers can do when they set their minds to a certain goal, this is the documentary come visit and watch. Mm -hmm. And how does it feel to be able to represent the Rio Grande Valley like this and traveling to so many different places and just introducing the world to this area? Um, I, I always have this question for people. Do you have to make it, do you have to leave the Valley to make it? And that, that's one of the questions that I always ask in my podcasts. Um, I'm happy to represent the Valley with film, with what I do with digital marketing and to be able to get eyeballs on it here, uh, especially Rio Grande Valley. I think we're, we're in a beautiful place with untapped talent that, that needs to shine. And I'm glad we're part of that culture now. I would I would say the same thing. Um, I think that the that the Rio Grande Valley is underrated when it comes to uh, a place where people come to to find talent or stories or culture. Um, now that uh, Josh and I have kind of been dubbed, uh, I guess like somewhat of a Rio Grande Valley ambassadors, you know, when it comes to filmmaking and in the film industry and stuff like that. Uh, I feel incredibly uh, honored and, and and humbled that uh, that we're being you know addressed as people who uh, are bringing attention to the valley in a good way for a change. The valley has been notorious for being a border town and having issues with politics and drugs and and, and you know uh, county sheriffs and, and things. And every time we make national news, it's it's on a tragic 
it's on a tragic note, you know, it's on a, it's on an unfortunate note, um, that, that individuals did that, that reflect poorly on us. So for us to finally give the masses something positive about Rio Grande Valley and the Latinos who occupy it is, uh, it's, it's, it's honoring. While we're sharing a piece of South Texas history. I think that's, history, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Sharing it and preserving it, you know. Now, this story that, that happened when you were in kindergarten, um, now you know it. Now you, you can you can convey it to somebody else, and you can, you can keep that history alive, if not by telling it yourself, by maybe just forwarding or sending somebody our podcast or, or our documentary. So that's going to live forever and long, long past and after Josh and I are gone. So that's, uh, that's, that's an accomplishment in itself. And uh, what are some main goals that you and Josh had going into this documentary? Um, what do you really want your audience to learn or gain from this film? Um, for me, it would be to have a little bit of closure. I think this whole process helped Robert have a little bit of closure of the PTSD that he, he suffered throughout this, but also the people that were affected by this tremendously. They're still affected to this day. So I'm hoping if it, it helps another person piece of closure I, I think that's that's my goal uh, I would agree man. I, I, uh, I didn't expect again a lot going into this endeavor other than the gaining of the experience now that now that it's it's you know one eleven best featured documentaries against epic directors and good 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 films and stories um <clears throat> I, I think that uh, our message to the masses is um, more importantly than anything. Don't uh, don't listen to the naysayers, man. If you got a good idea in your head and, and and you have a way to pursue it, then it's your personal obligation to to go after what you want. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Um, I told Josh, and and I'm plagiarizing this. I don't know where I got it from, but I know I read it somewhere that that one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Um, that was one of the first things Josh and I discussed how by ourselves, we were, we were going to struggle to tell this story and do it justice. But once we started pulling in more people and asking for help, um, it came together. So I, I think that what I expected the most was to learn something, if any, if nothing else, how not to do a documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, but now that we've done something and accomplished something, uh, that has reached, you know, hundreds and, and thousands and millions of people, then now I feel, uh, I feel like, um, we got to preach to the people that you got to try the things that you're passionate about. You can't just be passionate about them in your head and in your heart. You got to be passionate about them in the real world physically and do tangible things to get yourself closer to them. And more than anything, Josh is right when it comes to closure. When you're told not to talk about the bad things that happen to you, then you're forced to struggle with them internally. And one bad thought will always lead to another and to another and to another. And then before you know it, you're living in a negative state. Talking to people about what happened to me that night, about what I saw and who we lost and, and the things that happened has allowed me to release it and give it to the universe and give it to the individuals who are listening. And I feel like I'm not carrying that weight by myself. So I don't have to struggle with it as much. So when Josh says closure and things of that nature, he's right. A thousand percent. Mm -hmm. 
that's what I was looking for. I just wanted to get it out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tried to make a list of all of the awards that your documentary has received so far. Um, I don't know if you want to go through it over the phone or if you want to text it to me. I just want to make sure I get every single one. Yeah, I can, uh, I can go through it. Is it easier if I send it through email or? If you prefer, like, through email or text. Um, yeah, I can, send you, be... I can send you a text with them. I already have them ready. And do you plan to enter your documentary into more film festivals after the one in Edinburgh? Um, I don't believe so. I think we have one more festival after that in April, and that'll be the last, uh, we think, so far, uh, might be the last festival that we input it in because uh, we, are, we are in talks with, with uh, streaming networks and, and PR firms to get this to the next level. I think, uh, I think at this point, 11 best feature documentaries kind of speaks for itself. So putting more laurels on that poster, I, I just don't think it does anything for our goal to be able to reach more people. I agree. I think we would have been completely blessed and humbled with one. Now we're saturating our movie poster, our documentary poster with laurels. And um, this really sparked an untapped desire for me and Josh to collaborate and continue to create documentaries and hopefully short films and and, and feature films and stuff. So um, I think that this was a learning experience and a confidence and morale booster for us. And now we're going to go tackle some other things. So as far as, as pursuing the film festivals with the collapse, what Josh submitted to in regards to film festivals for 2021 have concluded. We have two more in 2022 that uh, will take place in Dubuque. Uh, what is Dubuque, Dubuque, Idaho? Dubuque, Iowa. Iowa, sorry, Dubuque, Iowa, and um, and that'll probably be our last uh, film festival with the collapse. We have a couple of other documentaries that we we began to work on that we'll be submitting uh, that have nothing to do with the collapse. They'll be completely other standalone documentaries. So this kind of inspired us to take on other South Texas history and and other uh, untold stories that uh, merit uh, preservation. So that's that's kind of what we've started. So no, we won't be submitting the collapse into any more film documentaries. Now we're trying to get it, uh, get it into a streaming network such as Amazon Prime or HBO or even PBS. You know, whoever whoever's out there who is interested in helping us bring it to the to the mega masses um, through a streaming company is who we will be dealing with soon. Mm-hmm. And um, is there anything else? Either of you would like to mention that I didn't ask? Uh, yeah, I'd like to to get people over to the the podcast series. There's nine episodes that dives deep into into everything. I mean, even Robert got to meet new people that he had never met before. So we talked to Pastor Hyde. Uh, we talked to boat captains that were on the water that day. We talked to EMS workers. We talked to, I mean, survivors. So they can go check out that nine-part series and then fall in love with what we're doing because that is literally the foundation of the documentary. And I think once they see the documentary, they'll have a better understanding of, 
of the people that were involved. It's it's bringing people along for the journey. Exactly. Yeah, the podcast is um, the podcast gets deep into the nook and crannies that we were not allowed enough time in an hour and fifteen minutes to put on screen for the documentary. So for the people who really, really, really um, want to understand what happened that night from different angles, the podcast is where you need to go. Well, I thank you so much, uh, Joshua and Robert. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about your documentary. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And if there's if there's anything else you want to add, uh, we are working on on our next uh, podcast series that will eventually become a documentary, and it's about the the Alton bus crash. Mm-hmm. Okay, and can they find it on that same YouTube channel? Yeah, so we are actually airing the first uh, episode on on January first, so that'll be the mm-hmm. first episode of the Alton bus crash. And so far, we have three. Are you now. are you familiar with that bus crash? Yes, um, I saw like every year they do some like anniversary stories about it. Correct. And, uh, it was a uh, high school students involved, I believe. Yeah, well, thir- twelve and thirteen year olds, all the way up to eighteen and nineteen year olds. But um, yeah, mostly middle and high school students. Twenty three children uh, drowned and passed away in that accident. So that's mm-hmm. our next uh, project that we're already currently working on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I wish you both, you know, great success with your upcoming um, film festivals coming up. And congratulations on all the achievements it's received so far. Thank you so much. I um, appreciate that. When, when, do you, when will you guys be uh, um, publishing this uh, article? I'm going to talk to my editor about it because uh, we have some sister newspapers. So I mm-hmm. feel like maybe some of them will grab the story also. Um oh, the editors always uh, talk to each other about like planning what day to publish the story. So um, I'm going to give it to him, I believe on Thursday. And then um, I'm going to ask him what day he'll think it'll come out, but I'll reach out to you both and let you know when it's going to come out when I get a definite date. Yeah. Just keep us in the loop. That would be great. Yeah. Keep us in the loop. Let us know. And then just tell your editors that in 2022, this is last year's, it'll be last year's news. So if they can push it out before the end of the year, they'll manage to do it the same year of the 20-year anniversary of the collapse, mm-hmm. and it'll still be this year's news. Hey, Alana, I would mm-hmm. love for this to be the story of the year. <laughs> yeah, push that. <laughs> That'll be awesome. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and consideration. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Right. Bye. Bye. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>